Hi there, and thank you for tuning in to the following message provided by Renew Church. We pray that this message will be a blessing and encouragement for you. For more information about our church, please visit www.renew.miami. service. We thank you so much for each and every person in the room within the sound of my voice. God, I pray that you prepare our hearts for what it is that you want to say, what it is you're going to do in this service. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And all of God's people said, amen, amen. Amen. Well, hey, let me start with this. Last spring, I went to a conference at a church in Las Vegas. Uh, Seriously, there are churches in Las Vegas. In fact, a guy by the name of Judd Wilhite was a pastor. Maybe you've heard him on the radio before. Um, And so I went to this conference with my wife, and we stayed a couple of extra days. And we were going to stay a couple days in Las Vegas until we figured out that it's just not for us. Like, we don't gamble, but we were like, maybe it would be nice, and maybe we could see the Grand Canyon. No, it's not for us. Like, it's so bad. It's it's worse than bad for, for me anyway. So, so we said, we're not going to do it, but we already had our flights booked and everything, and we, we had a few extra days. So we canceled our hotel, and we rented a, a car, um, and we decided to drive west across the desert to California. We hadn't been there in about 20 years, and we wanted to go and see what it was like again. Did I mention that we rented a car? Did I say that already? Um, let me tell you what kind of car it was. It wasn't just any car. It was an orange Ford Mustang Convertible GT. (laughs) A Ford Mustang GT, that's right. It has five driving modes. Count them, five. One, two, three, four, five. It has normal. It has sport plus. It has snow. You don't need that in the the desert. It has track, and it has drag strip. Drag strip, okay? So guess what mode I spent a lot of time in in that little rental car? (laughs) Yes, I spent some time in drag strip. Not as much as I'm like exaggerating to be, but, but I didn't drive stupid the whole time, but I had to see what this rental car could do. If it was your car, I promise you I wouldn't do it, what I did to that rental car. But, um, and if it's my car and I'm paying for it, I wouldn't do that. You know what I'm saying? Like, because I know like what, what, you know what it means to take care of a car, but when it's a rental car and I paid the extra money for the insurance, I might take off a little faster through Redeo Drive. I, I might drive a little faster around the turns of Pacific Coast Highway than I otherwise would have. I, I might even like find somebody that I could race from the, from the stop to see how drag strip mode actually works. Here's the point. Trevor, what are you, why are you going there with this? Here's the point. The reason why people abuse rental cars is because they're rental cars, right? That's, that's the reality behind it. It's not theirs, it's not your friends, you're not, you're not borrowing it from your buddy. It belongs to a large corporation called Avis or Hertz or whatever it is. So there's no relationship. And because of that, it feels like that there's no accountability. There's no relationship, so there's no accountability. So we're just like, oh well, it's not mine and I don't even know who Avis is, so I'm just going to drive his car like I stole it, kind of. You know what I'm saying? But let me parallel that to God for a second. If we see the stuff that we have, right, the, the, the stuff that we have, the stuff that we live in, the stuff that we drive, the things that we use and talk on, if we see the stuff that we have as God's, that he is the owner, and if we have a personal relationship with him, we are going to be very careful to take care of that which belongs to him. Why? And here's the key statement for the whole message. If you get nothing else, here's the key statement. Why? Because God owns and I steward. If you're taking notes, this is in your worship guide. Number one, first thing is, is God owns 
I steward. But if on the other hand, we don't have a relationship with God, most likely we won't see it as belonging to him. And even if we do see it as belonging to him, we won't take care of it because we will see him as distant and disconnected. Kind of like a, uh, a cosmic, you know, uh, kind of like a, a distant cosmic corporation. Like maybe the rental car company of heaven, you know? Like it's really not his that, that I have to answer to him. So we don't take care of how we handle it. But I want you to get this. If you get nothing else, God owns, I steward. Will you say that with me? God owns, I steward. Very good. Well, not that great. We, we can do better. Let's do it one more time. God owns, I steward. Amen. The other issue that arises is that the longer that we have something that's not really ours, but it's in our possession, the more that we think it's ours, the more that we consider it to be ours. There was a guy I knew. He lent a lawnmower to his buddy, and the guy used it to mow his yard because he asked him to. And he said, can I, mow, can, I, can I use the mower? But he didn't return it. He just kept it, and he didn't call the guy back. And, and then it got a little bit awkward because then he found out that his buddy that borrowed the mower just kind of kept on using the mower. And he was, like, talking to the neighbors and talking to different people. He's like, is he using my, you know, my green lawnmower? Is he using that? And he's like, yeah, he's, he's using it. But he never really asked. He just kind of kept it until they had an argument over a $200 lawnmower. And they almost lost a 20-year relationship over a $200 lawnmower. How stupid is that, right? How crazy is that? But remember what I said last week. Relationships are more valuable than possessions. Don't get that mixed up. Similar thing can happen between us and God. We think it's ours. And really, we're just stewards of that which... God has entrusted us. He blesses us, and we, we use that which he blesses us. But then that use turns into abuse, and we begin to fight with him over whose it really is. We begin to argue with him over whose it really is. And at some point, the relationship breaks down because life reminds us whose it really is and who's really in charge. I mean, for example, you think it's yours, your name is on the deed, but then you don't make the payment it's going to go back to the bank. It, it, it's not really yours. And, and we can even back that up to the banks because there was a, a crazy thing back 12 or 13 years ago where even the banks were losing everything. So not only the, the, the people doing the foreclosing, but those that are the foreclosers were getting foreclosed on. Like, it doesn't belong to you. Even if you're a 100-year-old company with a lot of skyscrapers, it's not yours. God owns and I steward you see, God blessed you with a talent. He blessed you with an ability. He entrusted it to you, and you are here because of him. But the lie of Satan is, all the way back to Genesis, is if you eat of the tree, you'll be the owner of that tree. And look where it got them. Kicked out of the garden. And, and not only they, they were kicked out of the garden, but we're still dealing with the consequences of original sin to this very day. We're still dealing with that. You think to yourself, that is your money, that is your house, that is your job. And all of these things are happening and God is trying to say, listen, you are a steward, you're not an owner. I'll take you to the New Testament this morning as our primary text. We'll, we'll talk about a couple of different texts in the Old Testament and New Testament, but we're going to camp out at Jesus' words in the parable of uh, the bags of gold or maybe if you're a little bit older and you've read it in a different translation, the parable of the talents. Okay, Matthew chapter 25, starting at verse 14, and the words are on the screen. 
Again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and, his, and entrusted his wealth to them. In other words, let me stop there for a second. He didn't give him 20 bucks and say, have a good weekend. He entrusted his wealth to these three servants. To one, he gave five talents of gold or bags of gold. To another, two bags. And to another, one bag, each according to their ability. Uh, I'm going to stop there for just a second. If you read this 20 years ago, if you have a Bible that says talents, and you think that because a preacher, and I'm, I'm guilty, I've done it in the past, as talent, as meaning like, Oh, you play the drums, play them for Jesus. Use your drum talent. Oh, you have five talents. You play the drums and you can, you know, you know, mow the grass at the church. No, that's not what talents are. Talents are a measure of money in the original text. So he's talking about money. To one, he gave five talents of gold, the measure of money equal to 20 years of wages. That's how much a t one talent is. So, so 20 years of wages, uh, I'm estimating it at... One, one talent is $500,000 based on a very low wage for 20 years, 500000 But one, he gave five talents, so that would be $2.5 To another, he gave two talents, that's a million. And to another, he gave one talent, which is 500000 20 years of wages. And then he went on his journey. And the man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work, and he gained five bags more. So also the one with two bags of gold gained two more. But the man who had received the one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned, and they settled accounts with him. And the man who had received the five bags of gold brought the other five. And he said, Master, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I have gained five more. And his master replied, Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. The man with the two bags also came and said, Master, you have entrusted me with two bags of gold. I have gained two more. And his master replied, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Then the man who had received one bag of gold or one talent came and he said, Master, I knew you were a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid, and I went out, and I hid your gold in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. And his master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. Well then, you, have should, have, you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. So take the bag of gold from him. And give it to the one who has ten bags. For whoever has will be given more, and they will have an abundance. For whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. And throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness. Man, this is cringy. I, this, I, Jesus is saying this? Like, somebody check your Bible, make sure it says this. Where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. This is God's word. And sometimes we're thankful for it. Amen? No, we're thankful for it. Three thoughts to keep in mind as we look at this message today. Number one, we are responsible for what God has entrusted to us. You see, God has deposited his resources into you to protect it and to expand it for his kingdom. That's why God has given you the talent, the ability, the gifting, the financial means that he's given to you. So remember... You don't really own it. You can't be a steward and an owner. You are either one or the other. 
I know that I've said this before. Let's, let's see the married ladies or engaged ladies. If you have a, a, a ring on, could you just raise that up high? If you got a diamond on your finger, even if it's some other kind of emerald, you got a diamond on your finger, good, good, good. Men, if you got gold, you got any kind of bling, or you got a ring on your finger, um, you, you, could you raise them up? Let me see if you, you got some people in the room. Okay. I want to say this. Uh, that, that ring on your finger, that gold around your neck, that, that, that diamond, and I'm not a gemologist, but that diamond somehow came from a piece of coal that was under some pressure for however long and whatever amount of time to, to create the beautiful diamond that's on your finger. Before it was yours, it was God's. And after it's yours, it's still God's. Amen? That gold that was mined in a mine is not really yours. It, it's God's. And somehow we get confused about this. And we start thinking, you know, like teenagers, that's mine. When in reality, it's not yours. I've got a couple of teenagers, a 6th grader and an 11th grader. And they say things like, that's my room. That's my phone. Those are my clothes. Can you wash them, please, by the way? But here's the worst one. Here's the worst one for me. That's my Starbucks, Dad. That's my drink. They love Starbucks. And, and when I go to Starbucks, usually I drink water. I don't, I don't like drinking my calories. It's a thing for me. Like I, I, I feel like it's a wasted like thing. I could drink water because I'd rather eat a donut. I'd like to eat something substantial, all right? But uh, my daughters, my, my girls, they love Starbucks. So one time, um, you know, I, I pulled off, I mean, I, I said, you know what, let me get something to, uh, to drink. Let me have a little bit of your drink. I was having water, but I was like, let me have some of your drink. And um, they said what sometimes a teenager would say. No, 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 that's mine, Dad. You have your water. That's mine. And I wanted to, like, pull the car off the road. <laughs> I wanted to, like, literally stop and remind them that, hey, listen, and I'm not picking on one. I, it's probably both of them. They sometimes tag team on me. They, they team up on me to attack me. No, Dad, no. And I was ready to go off on this particular one. I'm like, if you don't give me a drink, I'm going to take both of your Venti Strawberry Acai Refreshers, light ice, and I'm going to drink them like this. And I don't care how much falls to the ground and how precious it is to you. And guess what? When we get home, I'm going to fix you a grande pickle juice with no ice, and you're going to drink all of it. Amen? Because why? Because it's not yours. It's not yours. I wonder if some of us, God has been asking for a drink. Like, not the whole thing, just a drink. I didn't, I, I didn't say, hey, give me your drink. Give me, you know, let me just have it. But I wonder if some of us, God is asking for a drink. And we're like, mine. And you, you've been tasting your life lately. And it tastes a little bit more like pickle juice than it does strawberry refresher. You know what I'm saying? Why is my life like this? Because... You keep drinking pickle juice and you keep telling God it's mine. Do you understand what I'm saying? Be nice to your kids. Let them have a drink. I got good girls. Second point. Selfishness is a path to nowhere. 
Selfishness is a path to nowhere. As I said before, mine isn't really mine. When the baby comes and takes the car keys, they, they begin to play with them and hold them in their hands. And they want them, but they can't really handle them. I mean, honestly, little baby Noah's not going to be driving daddy's car anytime soon. Um, but he just wants to hold them and put them in his mouth. And, and, and he can't really like manage the house and open the office and do all those things. But for whatever reason, baby Noah wants it. They can't handle it because they're babies. And a person with a selfish heart, sometimes we do the very same thing. We're holding on to things and we're holding them so tightly, but we really can't handle them. We think we can handle them, but really we weren't even equipped to handle them. And, and why is that, that that we do what we do? We're tight-fisted. We're not generous with the things that God has given to us. Which one do you think God blesses? The one with the closed fist saying mine or the one with the open hand? I teach this all the time in leadership. I, I, it's how I lead our ministry. It's everything that I do. I lead with the principle of the open hand. Where I say, God, if you're going to give to me, I'm going to trust you. But I'm never going to close my grip. Because if I close my grip, guess what happens? Not only do I sometimes miss, you know, I, I become selfish and thinking I'm the owner and it's mine. But not only that problem comes up, but then when another opportunity arises... It falls off. It falls out. It doesn't fit. So I try to say, okay, for as long as God puts these kind of resources in our hands, I'm going to keep an open hand. For as long as God's going to raise up leaders and pastors for this church and, and for our, our, our vision of planting multi-site, like, I'm going to keep an open hand. And, and some of them will stay and some of them will go, but I'm going to continue to keep an open hand. Trust me, it takes, it, it takes fighting against my selfish nature, though, sometimes to go, no, 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 mine. But I have to keep my hand open. And I'm telling you, that's something that each and every single one of us in our selfish nature, we struggle with. Which one is it for you? Selfishness is a path to nowhere. And number three, you have the opportunity to put God's money to work. For the master going on the journey, and the text said it was a long one, when he came back, all he wanted to know was what did you do with what I gave you? And I believe God is going to ask the very same thing to each and every one of us. The, the servant's response had everything to do with what had happened to them. For the, for the one with five talents or five bags of gold, he earned five more. For the one with two bags of gold, he earned two more. And, and for the last one that gave... Uh, was given one bag of gold, he earned zero. I know sometimes you would say, well, at least he didn't waste it. At least he didn't steal it. No, 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 no. Uh, it's not much better. He literally did not use what God had entrusted to him. For the first and the second servant, they found true happiness. When you put God's money to work for his kingdom, you find true happiness. This is what it says. Well done, Thou good and faithful servant, come and enjoy your master's happiness. You know, it, um, I'm going to invite Kat to make her way back up. You know, this, uh, this is a text that we've heard over and over and over again, but we didn't really, probably most of us didn't even know where it came from. You go to a funeral, and in a funeral, oftentimes people are, are talking about the deceased, and they're celebrating their life, and they're celebrating the good things that they've done, and, and uh, maybe the minister would at that point, at some point, say something like, well done, you've, you've, you've heard the voice of the Lord. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. Do you know where that comes from? 
It doesn't just come randomly in any verse in the Bible. It comes directly from this parable, Matthew chapter 25, verse 21. When he references, when he addresses the servant that gave five, was given five and gave ten back, when he was given two and he gave four back, he says to them, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. So sometimes you hear it said, and I'm, again, guilty at a funeral talking about it, as if it was because he took good care of his mom in her old age, or because uh, he went to church twice a month, or because, uh, you know, he was a really friendly person and community-minded, a good dad or a good, good mom. No, that response is directly and specifically related to how you handle the finances that God has given you. For the final servant that had been given one bag of gold and later it was taken from him, Jesus says, take it from him and give to the one who has ten bags. For whoever has will be given more and they will have an abundance. But whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. Throw them out into outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. I don't like that passage. Really don't. But it's God's word and so we preach it. The reason why people grieve over money is because they don't understand. They don't get it. Your money is not your money. It's God's money. And it all belongs to him. If you don't remember anything else, remember this. God owns, I steward. We think it's ours and the truth is really none of it is ours. Until the revelation that we are stewards uh, becomes reality in our heart, we'll always grieve and mourn when it comes to giving. And the Holy Spirit wants to move us from grieving to gracious. And it starts with the heart. I said this last week, and I'll say it again. Matthew 6, Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Your heart, it follows your treasure. It's a simple idea. If you want your heart to be in the kingdom, then place your treasure there. Because the more you treasure it, you... You put in this, the more you treasure something, you put more into it. The more your heart will go following that. I'll close with this story. We'll pray together. We'll be almost done. There was a guy, he was on his deathbed. And uh, really, really wealthy. And, and uh, he was, had only a few days to live. And he said, honey, God has really blessed me. And uh, when I get to heaven, I want to enjoy all the blessing that I inquired on earth. So when I die, I want you to take everything I've earned and put it in my casket. His wife said, that's your final wish? Husband said, yes, I'm, I'm sorry, but that's my final wish. She was a good wife. She didn't argue. She said, we're going to make your dream come true. And the day came when her husband had passed away and it was the day of the funeral and she hated to see her husband go but at the end when everybody was kind of making their way out and, and greeting one another she spent a few minutes alone with her husband and as she prepared to say her final goodbye she laid a check into the casket and she said as her final words honey when you get to heaven 
if you can figure out how to cash this check, we'll figure out what to do here on earth. But until then, we're just going to keep on enjoying your blessings. I don't think my timing was right on that joke. But it's really, maybe because it's not a joke. But so many of us, we're like, hey, man, watch what I can do. Look what I can do. And the moment you stop breathing, it's over. You can lawyer it up and trust it up and it'll, you know, tie it up. Whatever. It's still not yours. God owns my steward. the same way that we make time for what's important, we make provision for what's priority. In the same way that we say, you know what, I'm, I'm going to make the time, I, I'm busy, my life is busy, 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 busy. Yeah, everybody's busy, this is Miami. We make time for what's important, but we also make provision for what's priority. Amen? Like, if it's important enough to you, you will get the strawberry SAE refresher every day. Maybe even twice a day. But, if it's not, I don't know. God owns I steward. This morning I'm going to introduce something to you. If you're a visitor this morning, this isn't for you. There's some visitors this morning, some from the West Coast coming to witness a baptism, and we're glad you're here. This isn't for you. This is for people that would call Renew your local house. This is your church. I invite you to, 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 to see what we're talking about, but this is something I talked about last year in our, our giving series. But I didn't actually put it in writing. And, and, and again, let me say this as well. Um, I don't want you to feel condemnation as I talk about this. But if God's giving you conviction, then I want you to feel it and receive it. Because I want something for you more than I want something from you. I want God's blessing on your life. Okay? So in the seat backs in front of you, probably not every chair because I think we ran out in the first service. There's a little paper that says give up. On those chairs will you grab those really quick if you have them we just grab them and hold them up if you see them hold them up I talked about this last week I talked about uh, I mean this last year but I never really put it in writing and this year after talking to my directors a little bit about it I said you know what I'm gonna do it I'm gonna take the step of faith in this and you're gonna say wow this is a little crazy pastor but it is what it is this is where we're at Somebody doesn't have one, raise your hand because I've got a, a, an usher that will help if you need one. Okay, I think you're good, brother. This is, this is what we're calling God's guarantee based on Malachi chapter 3. And if you read along with me on the back side of the card, it says this. God's promise in Malachi 3 says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. That there may be food in my house and test me in this, says the Lord, and see if I will not throw open the windows of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have room enough for it. I accept God's guarantee with the following commitments. My promise, I will tithe my income for the next 90 days to this church, if this is your local church. I will pray and I will trust God for his blessings in my life to be multiplied so that I will recognize them. Don't forget to pray. I will inform my pastor in writing or verbally as God blesses me and or my family. Make sure you talk to us. Number four, I will give through check, text, envelope, online giving, or auto withdrawal in order to ensure an accurate record of my giving over the 90-day period. In other words, not just saying, oh, I put a lot of cash in and, and, you know, I'm a cash giver, but it has to be recorded. And so then this is the guarantee that we're, we're 
footing. God's guarantee says, and I will throw out, open the windows of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have room enough for it. And number two, if God does not bless you in a way that you recognize in the next 90 days, your giving during that 90 days will be cheerfully refunded to you. You know, here's my thing. So many people are, are so like afraid to trust God. And I get it. It's scary. But I'm, I'm trying to, to say, okay, this is what the scripture says. This is what God says. Can we just take him at his word? Don't argue with, with that. Like, if it's not for you, that's fine. If it's not for you, that's fine. But don't, don't start justifying in your heart and in your spirit. Like, here's what I'm already hearing in my mind. Ah, this guy. Look at him. All he wants is money. My, my salary was set way before, and it isn't affected by your giving. No, not affected by your giving. Um, this guy, all he, like, that's, that's law. That's Old Testament. I'm a New Testament Christian. Well, you, you want to go New Testament? You want to go early church? You want to go Acts chapter 2? They sold their possessions, and they gave to anyone as... They had need, like literally, like you want to go like literally New Testament? That's law, pastor. We're not in the law. We're under grace. Well, let me predate the law for a second. Abraham, which one came first? Abraham or Moses? I'll give you a hint. It's Abraham. Abraham predates Moses. Moses is the lawgiver. He's the one that went up on the mountain. And Abraham had this meeting with Melchizedek where he gave a tenth, a tithe. So don't, let's not say it's law, let's not get argumentative over it. In fact, I'm saying, I'm not trying to fight with you about this. I'm just saying, trust God. Because I want something for you more than I want something from you. Like, I literally want you to experience the blessing of God that I've seen in my life. I want you to experience the blessing of God that I've seen in my dad's life. And it wasn't because he was a millionaire. He was not. Far from it. But my dad is blessed beyond anyone, like... One of the most blessed men I've ever met. That's why this picture looks like this. That's why this design looks like this. Because when you give up, what goes up must come down. And it doesn't always come down in the form of green or bank accounts or extra zeros. But sometimes it comes down in the form of legacy. Sometimes it comes down in the form of a family that's following Jesus fully surrendered. Sometimes it follows in your children's children and your children's children. Amen. And I want you to experience the blessing. I really do. I don't preach on tithing all the time. I don't preach on giving all the time. And I promise you this, this wasn't loose and light and easy for me. I struggle with it. And the enemy has attacked me all week. I've had a roof leak. I've had like, uh, like uh, car trouble and uh, electronic like expenses. Things came up. Things that happened. And it wasn't a coincidence. Because why? Because I've, I'm, my wife and I are committed to it. What do you mean, pastor? You don't tithe? Well, I do. But you can, you can tithe in some different ways. You can kind of like, you know, work those numbers a little bit. Anybody that's an accountant could know what I'm talking about. And God said, just bring me the whole tithe. Bring me the whole tithe, Trevor. And so for 90 days, I fill this out. I'm going to drop it in a bucket or drop it in a box. 
And you might, you might take this, you might fill it out this week, pray over it, and then bring it back next week. We're going to offer this opportunity next week as well. But um, I'm just going to say, God, this is a stretch for me. This is a leap of faith for me. Have your will, have your way. Take care of our needs. I'm going to pray. And uh, I want to thank you for listening to this message and to my heart. Stand with me. God, we are, uh, we're just coming before you with a group of people that don't know how to take this. Some of them are all for it, and others are like, wow, this is my last time here. <laughs> but I pray, oh God, that you would bless and help each and every single one of them. God, I pray that they would experience your blessing because they're faithful to your word. And that they become stewards of what you own. And that they would take the little bit that you ask of them and they would use it for your kingdom here and around the world. And God, as we, your church, do the same thing, may we be accountable, not just on earth but in heaven, for what it is that's entrusted to us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's sing the song. I'm going to close. I'll I'll come back up and we'll do a a baptism ceremony right right after we sing the song. I hear your voice, even in the distance, even in the silence, even in the sadness. I see you move, even in the dark night, even in the half-light, even in the stillness, and after the
hope when I'm hopeless. There's light in the darkest hour. There's peace when I'm restless. It's not over, it's not over. There's grace when I'm anxious. There's joy when I'm brokenhearted. There's power in Jesus. It's not over, it's not over. There's hope when I'm hopeless. There's light in the darkest hour. There's peace when I'm restless. It's not over, it's not over. There's grace when I'm anxious. There's joy when I'm brokenhearted. Power in Jesus. It's not over, it's not over. 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 When you speak, I am still. I believe that you. speaking to you today you know we're going to baptize somebody in just a few minutes and I'm so excited about that and that 
that baptism is symbolic of dying to your old self and being raised to a new life in Christ. It's a declaration that Jesus is Lord of all. And if Jesus isn't Lord of all, he's not Lord at all. So, so maybe for somebody in the room, uh, you know that this, this message is the, the issue. Like you've given God 99% of your life, but there's just this piece. It's, it's the money piece. And rightfully so, it's hard. You can't make ends meet, and I get it. But I'm saying somehow, in some way, what if we begin to trust God? The way that I did several years ago, over 10 years ago, and God began to pay debt off, like miraculously. Like, it was crazy. To the point that I could, I could pay tithe, and I could be generous, and I could do the things that I want to do. I, I really want you to, to just, between you and God, I just want you to say, God, if you'll make a way... I'll be obedient. I'm willing. I'm willing to take this step. I'm willing to say yes to you. If that's you today, or maybe it's Pastor Pray for me because I'm really struggling with it, but I want to do it. Just, just lift your hand. I'm not going to bring you to the front. I'm not going to do anything else. But if that's you today and you're saying, Pastor, I, I want God to be Lord of all, including my finances, would you just lift your hand? Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. You can set your hands down. Place your hands down. The first step is always the step of faith that asks Jesus to be Lord and, uh, of your life, that he would be the, the not only Lord but Savior. So this is that moment where maybe you've never made this decision or maybe you've done it, but today's a day where you're marking it as a new beginning in your life. You want Jesus to come and to remove the the wrong remove the broken remove the sin the past and set you free today can be the day of salvation for you i'm going to pray this simple prayer of faith and you can repeat it after me if you pray it in your heart believe it you're safe that's it so i'm just going to pray this and you can just pray it in in your heart you don't have to repeat it out loud heavenly father i i thank you for today i thank you for uh, all that you're doing in our lives. Thank you for what you've done for me. I thank you that you brought me here. God, I, I, want to, uh, I want to live for you. I want to stop living for myself. I want to stop falling into uh, my old patterns and into sin. I've sinned, but I'm asking you to forgive me of my sin right here and right now. Make me brand new. Today, I, I am declaring you as my Lord and my Savior. Today, I choose to follow you with all that I have. Knowing that that's not going to be easy, but also knowing that you're going to be with me. I give it all to you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. All the God's people said, amen, amen. Man, if you made a declaration today, if you made a decision to surrender your life to Jesus today, to ask him to come into your heart. Would you just lift your hand for just a moment and we can uh, recognize that? If that's you today, would you just lift your hand right where you're at? Anybody in the room that has made this decision, come on, let's give a round of applause for this person in the back. Praise God. Praise God. Best step you'll take, the next best step you'll take is to, uh, to go by the next step's tent which is the only tent on the property. Stop by the tent, talk to a leader, talk to a pastor, and let them help you get a, a, a Bible and know how to navigate your next steps in your walk with Jesus. 
All right, it's the moment you've been waiting for. It's the moment I've been waiting for. Let me invite Miss Bernice Mislow and Pastor Deke Mislow to come up to the stage. Let's give them a round of applause. <laughs> Bernice, what's up? How are you? You nervous? Let me read this to you. Uh, actually, it's for her. Sorry. Dearly beloved, Christian baptism is a sacrament sac signifying participation by faith in the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ and incorporation into his body, the church. It's a means of grace proclaiming Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. The Apostle Paul declares that all who have who are baptized into Christ Jesus are baptized into his death and we are buried with him through baptism so that just as Christ was raised from the dead, we too are raised to walk in newness of life. As we have been united with him in his death, we will also be united with him in his resurrection. The Christian faith into which you now come to be baptized is affirmed in the Apostles' Creed, which we confess. We believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven, and he sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he shall come to judge the living and the dead. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Church of Jesus Christ, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Bernice Mislow, will you be baptized into this faith? If so, say, I will. Bernice, do you acknowledge Jesus as your Lord and Savior and that he saves you now? If so, say, I do. I do. Will you share with us your testimony? I accepted Jesus Christ many years ago, but I never surrendered myself completely to him. So today, I am, make, I am making a commitment to him. To faithfully walk with my Jesus, Lord, and Savior. And put him first in everything I Praise do. God. Amen. Come on, man. So, so Bernice is, uh, she's been a part of Renew for, since we were at Norma, her and Greg, and uh, she's Deke's, Pastor Deke's uh, sister-in-law, and, and so they've been developing their launch team and having Bible studies, and, and uh, they're, they're getting ready to launch Renew Church in the Redland in February of 2022. Isn't that good? So, 
So Bernice is helping uh, her brother and uh, this team. And, and you've got a huge, like, contingent of family over here. Let's give them a shout out. Can y'all? Thank you. Thank you and thank God for you. You know you're loved, right? By, by this family, by, by uh, the, the extended family. We want to pray for you. Pastor Deke, will you pray over her? And then we're going to go out and we're going to baptize her. Father God, we just come before you. Uh, Lord, we give thanks for Bernice yes. and, and, uh, and the way you're working in her life, God. We, we get to see it firsthand. Thank you, Jesus. Nobody, nobody can dare tell us that God's dead or God's not alive or, or God's not real because we witness it often. We witness it daily, God, and we give you the glory, God. We ask that your hand would just be upon Bernice, her life, her family, her household, God, that you would meet the needs, but I've seen it in her eye, God, she's ready. Thank you, Jesus. And God, she's making this public announcement, this public display just to, to prove that she's yours. Praise God. God, so it's not just not just a, a, a thing between you and her, it's a thing between you, her, and the rest of the world. Thank and you, We Lord. give you the thanks, we give you the glory, we give you the honor. It's in Jesus' name, amen. 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 Hey, you are not dismissed. You can walk out the door, but I want you guys to witness this baptism. And when she comes up out of the water, being dead to her old self and raised to a new life in Christ, I want you to celebrate like your team won the Super Bowl, all right? I want you to celebrate what happened in her life and what God is doing in Renew Church. Amen? Amen. Thanks for being here. Thanks for being a part of Renew Church. God bless you. All right.